Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson Yes <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> ah! Oh, I am, uh, I'm the person who just got to watch this movie for the first time last night. Oh my god, I'm so glad I watched this in October. Fucking great. Um, we'll dive right in today. We, uh, we did a pitch meeting this morning. We're doing all sorts of fun measuring flick stuff, but it does mean that we're a little crunched for time. But that's okay, we're gonna dive in and we're gonna get the full breadth of 2019's Us, directed by Jordan Peele, starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, Noel Sheldon, Callie Sheldon, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Evan Alex, Madison Curry, and Ashley McKay, plus like a bajillion other people. But um, yes. those people were good enough that I felt that they needed inclusion in the cast. Actually, there's one other guy, the guy who plays the, um, the like, the Keeping Up With The Joneses' dad, the, like, the white dad guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, his name's that Tim something. He's that funny. fucking... Tool bag, man. My God. It's a I just, whole box of tools. I just want to stay here in my cozy place. I, you, don't Dude. you just want to punch him in his face? <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Dude, Fucking... I loved this movie. It was really yeah, good. What would you think of this? What was your. You... So, this is my second go around because I watched it originally like six weeks ago or whatever. Thing, COVID. Right. Weird yeah. shit. But, uh, man, I fucking love this movie, dude. It is so good. It's a romp, man. It's funny. It watches better than I, I liked it the first time that I watched it, but it watches some. It's it improves on the second viewing. Yeah, where the where the creepy what the fuck when the mystery is gone and you you know what's happening and you can sort of just you start noticing all the synchronicities and all of the like little details like he it's just like it's just like the like Ari Aster in Midsummer like he kind of gives you the answer right up front. But without context and knowing what's happening, it, it's just nonsense and it doesn't make any, doesn't connect anything. But once you know, you're like, oh, fuck, you told me, you told me the ending at the very beginning. Holy fucking shit. So, dude, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite fucking, like, just scary romps. It's funny. Mm -hmm. The kids in this are the are some of the best like child yeah. actors, the teen actors the I've child, ever seen. The child oh, acting shit. in this is just yeah. outrageously good. This is it is a rare thing. Although you know what, we've been saying this for a long time, and I think what we're seeing now is it's getting less unusual for child actors to actually be very. Yeah, good. I think that I think that yeah, because we have mentioned it quite a bit. I think the times are a changing. I agree because these with kids the eye rolling. Are... God, you're like a producer's cousin or right. something. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's going away a little because these kids yep. are great. They're really, and really good. And there's a good. big ask on both of them. Oh, on hell the yeah. entire cast because you're playing the two – but on a on a younger person, that's a – the fuck, that's a huge ask and they goddamn right. nailed shit out of it. Right, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. One of the biggest things for me – damn it, I said I was going to write that down and I didn't. Um I was going to write down the actual quote from of Jeremiah 11.11. Oh, they don't. It's never mentioned, is it? I can give you the gist of it. The The quote for Jeremiah 11.11 is basically like God says, Lo, and I will 
give I will like deliver great evil upon you and there'll be nothing you can do to escape it or something like that. It's basically like boogie boogie bad stuff's coming. The actual verse itself is only interesting because it talks about God basically like punishing people with absurd frightening evil. But it actually is not super relevant to the film. The more important part of that is the 11-11. It's the 11-11, exactly, because that's the synchronicity is the 11-11 on the clock, which is a thing for me anyway. I think that is sort of like a— For most people, 11-11, make a wish. they see the 11-11 like more than you think. It's like walking down the street at night and having a uh, street light go out as you walk under it. Right. Like people notice that happening to them a lot. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the 1111 shit like that spooks me the fuck out anyways, because oh, do it you... does seem to happen a lot. Uh, I was wondering, do you do the thing um, when, so in our house, when 1111 pops up bird, I picked this up from bird. She always goes, it's 1111 make a wish. I make a wish every time. So you do as well. Okay. So that's yep. a thing. Every, and if I don't, I don't think I I don't think I physically could not make a wish at eleven eleven. If you noticed it would it. feel I'd be like, Okay, this is the day I die. <laughs> I guess. Be like you immediately have to go like I have to leave work. It was eleven eleven, I didn't make a wish. I scour my face and balls and sage and just like <laughs> Nothing like smudging your balls. <laughs> <laughs> I need a ball smudge if I don't make a wish at 11 11. Yeah, man. Don't do that within a week of Valentine's Day because Sage does not wash out of ball hair. I'll tell you what, dude. <laughs> <laughs> My, f- I kind of knew a little of. I knew the trailer. That's all I knew about this. And I knew that Connor Sweeney has been. Uh, he's been calling my house odd hours for about four months now. Tacking um, notes to your door. Yep, three three o'clock in the morning. My phone will ring, unknown. Okay, I'll I'll answer this. Who who is this? You should watch us. And then he hangs up, and I'm like, and I call what? Connor, and I'm like, Connor. He's like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, Well, first of all, why are you awake? It's three a.m. Oh, I've got insomnia. Did you just call me and tell me to watch us? And then he just. He, what are you talking about? I would never do that. Does a stupid high voice makes you want to fucking kick him yeah, in the nuts. Yeah, he does that Connor Sweeney high oh, voice. <laughs> he texted me the other day after the uh, Midsummer episode dropped, and he's like, "Damn, just when I he's like maybe I should uh, he's like maybe I should rethink missing you. You guys raked me over the coals for a lot." <laughs> What do you expect, man? I know. I was like, man, do you not remember the outros of the show? It just used to be us insulting you for like a year. Um, but dude, this is it, like a full two and a half hours of content of it's just, just us talking shit about Connor Sweeney, which I kind of love, especially because well, we, I won't say it, but we have fun news about Connor Sweeney coming up. That's you know, the, right. The best part of us talking shit is not only did he recommend Midsummer to us, even though he's never seen it, he also recommended us to us. So, like, this That's and Get incredible. Out. Yeah. And the next movie we're going to talk about is another Connor recommendation. He pretty much produces the show. He is. Like, he's totally a producer. We fucking, Connor, we love you, dude. Like, that's that's why we talk mad shit about <laughs> you at the drop of that. Um, so my first thought when this popped up and you see that Universal logo, I was like, oh, fuck. This is a universal monster movie, but yeah, the monsters is. are us. Oh, I I love the uh, – so this is a movie. Obviously, this movie is going to be a lot about duality. Oh, mega spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie, it's I'm still a little confused about it, but in the best possible Casey way. Casey Scheibe, go watch this movie before you listen to our podcast, <laughs> Casey Scheibe. <laughs> Fucking busted, girl. She might she... – <laughs> 
<laughs> she uh, she said she was gonna give Midsummer a fucking try. Yeah. Which did. yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I just want to I want to hear her opinions on it so bad. Um, but as soon as this popped up, I was like, oh shit, it's a Universal monster movie, and the monster is us. And then you get into the dualities of this movie, and you realize there's important lines in here like, who are you? We're Americans. Yeah. So the bad guys are are explicitly Americans. Or there's the cool duality of, is the title us? Or is the title U.S.? U.S.? I had that thought, too. I think yeah. that it's both. There's a whole lot. This. So, okay, I think that this movie, compared, I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it. So compared yeah. to Get Out. Totally different kind of Completely. Feature. I went into this expecting something like Get Out. I knew it was going to be twisty and cerebral, which it very much is. But whereas Get Out is this really intricate clockwork machine that pistons its way towards its inevitable conclusion and blows your mind every 30 seconds, this movie to me is more jazz. Now, by jazz, I don't mean improvisational. I mean minute attention to detail that either would seem irrelevant to somebody who didn't know what they were looking for or only acts as or seems to only act as lovely filigree but becomes very important by the end. It feels yeah. looser in a good way. It feels like it's got some headroom. So fucking tight. I mean every detail matters. Every I fucking detail matters right but Ugh. but not only so all these details matter but whereas with get out the the scope seems small because they're always in the house like yep. they're not moving around get out actually doesn't have a ton of what i'm gonna call action it has really amazing set piece moments but it's not an action-packed movie this is an action-packed movie there's boat chases there's water sequences there's shitloads of gore they're moving from house to house I'm sure you noticed that this movie is just constantly referencing Goonies, Jaws, and Funny Games. There's yep. more, but like all the time. There's t I have it all right. He he is showing the world Jordan Peele his love for certain directors, and it's I mean I have it written down. He is he is showing Stephen King, Ray Bradbury, M Night Shyamalan, hell yeah, Alfred Hitchcock, the best parts of Steven Spielberg, even like Chris Columbus. Like the director of Goonies and and uh, Harry Potter, like he is. I mean, in the very opening shot when she's watching the Hands Across America, the VHS tapes, yeah, Chud, Chud <laughs> the right stuff, Goonies, and the Man with Two Brains, right? Like, uh, actually, there's I wrote the Man with Two Brains. Yeah, I mean, what do you mean the du like oh a duality kind of thing? I had to write this down. Um, so as soon as this was done, of course, I immediately go to IMDb, and this is a movie full of movies, which I love because this is how you this is how I discovered Jim Jarmusch, and this is how yeah. I discovered like um, movies like Red Sun. This is how I discovered uh, uh, Jonathan Carroll. You watch the shit that the people you adore watch and love. So. There are when this movie started, all of the principal cast was given a list of eleven films to watch, so that the film crew could have what he called a common common language to discuss horror films. I dig it. Okay. So here's the list for those of you playing along at home: <gasps> Jaws, Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows. If you people have not seen It Follows, that movie is fucking unreal. Such a good indie film. A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, 
Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. That is a, those are 11 top kind of kind of nailed it in in just my uh taking away from what I saw. I mean, shit. I mean, the, the kid wears a Jaws t-shirt on the beach. That's right. that's fairly obvious. The funny game references. That table scene when they're having a discussion when they first arrive um, at the vacation home is very much a Spielbergy sort of family table conversation as well. Totally. Totally, yeah. Um, and it's the Jaws is like the, it's the thing that you don't see that's under the surface that is going to be the danger to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's another thing I had not con- hadn't really considered. But like the idea of like submerged danger, not knowing it's there. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of the opening title card? One of my favorite parts of this movie is that opening crawl where it says uh, uh, under the United States. I can't remember what it is, but it's like under the United States are thousands of miles of unused tunnels. My note is mysterious text intros to these kind of films is one of my favorite things ever because it immediately it immediately gives you this like sort of the rule in a way without giving you too much information. Like, why are they telling us about these underground tunnels? And it's a mystery and no one knows why they're there. And now you're showing me something that has nothing to do with that at all. And you don't get back to tunnels for like an hour. Maybe. Yeah. Like two and a half. Yeah. Like once we get to the news report where they're like, they're coming out of the sewers. Then you're like, oh, fuck tunnels. This this is coming back. Okay. Okay. I fucking love that. There's... uh, I can't think of any movies off the top of my head that do it, but I was immediately like, oh, I love it. I love it when a movie does this where it's like, hey, we're going to give you some spooky information that's true. Right. That is, a, that is a fact. There are all these underground tunnels that no one remembers why they're there. They're all connected and weird and shit. Yep. We're that... just going to give you that information up top, just well, so you know. I love when, <laughs> like, so you're reading it, and it doesn't seem – that frightening at first you're well first of all like empty underground space is terrifying just in general yeah, i fucking hate it but when they were like mine they're like mine shafts empty subway stations unused electrical conduits then there's a big pause and then there's a new line and it says um like hu- uh, hundreds of the and there are also hundreds with no with no discernible purpose or whatever it says where they're like there's a whole shitload of tunnels that actually no, no one no. no one has no any idea why they're there no record of them being built. No one remembers what they're for. Yeah, like, what the fuck yeah, is this tunnel man. doing here? Like, and then it lingers on that, and it makes you sit with like, oh yeah, I I was telling, oh that was really scary because the back is blurred and I can't see anything, and your door just closed. I was like, Carl, get out! <laughs> it was a ghost. We watched this movie last night. They've got scissors, <laughs> Carl. Um, but yeah, so I was telling like Bird was watching kind of with me. So I pause. She she's like, hey, pause it. And she's like, is that true? Like, I know about. That there's like mine shafts and stuff. I was like, yeah, one of the spookiest things about New York City to me is all of the subway stations that are closed off and now, because of like cave ins or construction, are totally inaccessible. There are like subway stations when you're walking on the city streets of New York, sometimes like 40 feet below you or 50 feet below you is a big empty space with concert posters on the wall and benches and lights that aren't on. And it's completely sealed off, and no one's been there in fifty years or forty yeah, or years, or ever will be, unless or, or ever will be again. Go exploring, like 
thousands of years from now, future archaeologists will dig in and come up with some reason why they're there that may or may not be correct. Right, where they're right? like, and this was the the burial tomb of a great king of this mass majesty <laughs> city, you know? And here's <laughs> right. his pyramid. Well, Billy Joel, the king <laughs> of New York City. Look, his images are posted all over, perfectly preserved, you know, like... He was blind for he had dark Ray-Ban sunglasses on. <laughs> the the blind prophet Billy Joel, yeah. Exactly. But um for me that thing is the same feeling as thalassophobia, which I definitely have, which I Oh, I got that bad even thinking about big shit underwater creeps me the fuck out man can't I, do it i don't know about you but i get high and intentionally poke that all the time i'll be like oh i'm a little high and kind of scared maybe i should watch Let's footage watch of huge documentary shit on the titanic <laughs> just to like sit and like feel like, like that barf in your mouth yeah that 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 like flop sweat acid reflux yeah. thing i just love it i don't know why balls cinch up and I'm get all tingly i'm sick is what it is carl yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with nuts in this episode. Apparently, yeah, totally. We should I keep bringing. We bringing got balls a, We back. definitely got a smudge. There's something going on. <laughs> um, but uh, like, oh, man, it's hard. Okay, I'll admit this right now. I had no fucking idea what was going on in this movie until almost near the end. I will say this. Uh, with within about an hour of the about the halfway point i started to figure out that lapita nyong'o's character adelaide was really red you know like yep. so she's she's really one of the tethered and i figured that the girls had switched places when they were young that yep. that i kind of figured out and figuring he that kind of i think that he kind of gives you enough to figure that out early intentionally it's like the best of like Agatha Christie mysteries where she will give you enough information to figure out who the killer is. Right. But leave enough mystery to make you're not quite sure. Yeah. So you question yourself and the mystery still works. And then you feel gratified and satisfied having figured it out where it doesn't feel like, oh, he gave the twist away early. It's more you more get you, you get more like uh you gratification. get the, the applause from from the writer directly. Like, yes, you did figure it out. Congratulations! Right. Yeah, it's, right? it's, it's not a it was not a letdown learning that. No. It was like a oh, and now how will this unspool? Exactly. Um, this is one of those movies like Midsummer. I think that was a, that was a good comparison to Ari Aster in in one sense, which is when this mo- the second this movie's done, you want to start it over again so you can see all the clues because now you know what's going on. And you're right, like, this, Jordan Peele gives you everything you need, like, within 10 minutes of the opening to call call the whole movie, but because you don't know what you're looking for, none of it makes sense. So, like, actually, one of the fun ways to talk about us might be to pick trivia apart, if you don't mind. No, I totally love it. Like, what's with all the, there's, like, at least two times that I notice that black flag t-shirts show up. You know why? What's the black flag symbol, Carl? Their band, oh, their band image is four it's bars. It's four eleven bars. eleven. Fuck you, yeah, man. yeah. Because I, I know, I know, it's a band. You see it on shirts and skateboards and shit all oh, the time. You know, but it is. It's fucking eleven eleven. Yeah, yeah. It's four. It's the four vertical bars. Is the black flag, dude? You know, you should listen to Black Flag. I got, I have their. You must know them, right? Henry Rollins, oh, lead singer. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I have. Uh, here's how much it's, I love Black. It's just not on my current. Yeah, it's like, well. Listen, loop. it's a little. Ag- I mean, dude, it's J-pop is. <laughs> <laughs> if you want some 2020 aggressive music, kids, young people out there, uh, the the youths, spin some Black Flag. That is some angry music for young people who are pissed off and done with it. And I fucking love it. I paid. 
<laughs> Here's how much I like that band. I paid a hundred bucks for a first American pressing of uh, of Damaged, which is their first album with Henry Rollins as singer, and it was worth every penny. I would have paid two hundred for that fucking album. It's killer. One of the best punk albums ever recorded. So anyway, that's the Black Flag logo. Is is four vertical bars, eleven eleven. Mark that off my list. Yeah, there's yeah. there's that. Oh yeah. So we're doing trivia roundup, right? I love it. I mean, this. I feel like this movie just deserves that sort of treatment because it is that. It is what. Yeah, this is what Connor did at the beginning of Get Out. It's this is for me. Jordan Peele is now R.I.P. Jordan Peele is now my John Carpenter. You know what I mean? Oh, dude. Yeah. Every horror movie that he puts out, every every movie he puts out, I'm gonna watch. But every time he does a horror flick, or I see a trailer that says a new nightmarish vision from Jordan Peele, I am plunking my money on that barrel. I, I now own both of them. Like, I'm not renting these. Yep. When Jordan Peele puts flicks out, I'm buying these motherfuckers. He is a stellar director. His attention to detail. He makes the kind of movie I like, which is at the end of it, you're like, oh, no, wait. But at the beginning, do you remember that scene where she blah, blah, blah? Well, that was alluding to every dude. He's like, he's stacking dominoes. And I imagine that him plotting a movie is a corkboard and 20 spools of red thread and green thread and bl- here's how this ties to I fucking love it so much. He's been preparing this for this movie since the beginning of the Key and Peele show. I went back and watched all of the Key and Peele like horror spoof yes. uh, shorts. The There's God a couple drug. of them in there that are that it's like him building his he's mixing his colors together and figuring out what works how to mix humor and horror and making you feel uncomfortable. He's good at that too. We'll He's talk about really that. Really fucking good. But yeah, can, do, that. yeah, do you have more about the Key and Peele thing cuz I nope. his his I mixture was... of humor and horror. So often in a horror movie, either the jokes will fall flat because you are you would rather be scared and you're wondering why they're being funny right now or the the like the jokes are so Slapsticky and they're they're wedged in. Like, let's give some comment. They're relief. wedged in because they know if you don't have a laugh at minute twenty two, people are going to be too intense and won't be scared enough for the next scare. And you have to do that whole. You gotta, we gotta release the pressure valve. There's like so two... then they can. Yeah, it feels formulaic and bullshit, and it doesn't live naturally. There's in. I think yeah. there's like two ways that you do horror. Uh, you do humor in horror, which is like either you you tell a joke to try and let the valve open. And, <laughs> well, and I think the audience sees what you're doing and they get pissed off because they're like, "I came here to be scared," and you're wedging a joke in. Or right. you make Shaun of the Dead, which is awesome because, dude, horror comedy is one of the best genres of all time. But it's hard to do humor in a genuinely frightening film. And Jordan Peele, in both Get Out and this film, ha- us has nailed that. He's do got you know that. Why, do you know why I think it worked why, and why that is? I think it's the key and peel it's, practice. It's the key and peel practice and the way he writes characters. They're real people. Like you get the sense of of their their sense of humor and how they interact with each other before the horror starts. Yeah. So the fact that the that, that dad, Gabe, he's a big, goofy dude. And mm-hmm. when the shit starts hitting the fan, yeah, shit's crazy, but he's still – Gabe, he's still a big, goofy dude, and so that's going to continue to come out because it's part of his character. Right. It's part of his personality. If suddenly Gabe was more goofy than he normally would have been or saying things that 
that are out of character, it would feel like that. We're telling a joke now because things got a little too scary. Right. Like, for instance, Adelaide doesn't do that shit. She doesn't start quipping. She's consistent the whole time. And when she is funny, it's that mom kind of humor. But Gabe... It's like and the and the friend the white the white friend yeah 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 uh, I'm gonna call him Mr. Jones because the whole I joke the whole time is yeah. like he just got a boat he's got like the the exactly. smart home and and Gabe and his fan mostly Gabe his family doesn't give a shit but Gabe is trying to keep up with the stupid yep <laughs> uh, and then well, he, that, that's why I think it works because it's all part of their character and he's yeah it's just it's just yeah it doesn't feel forced in it's like yeah gallows humor the fucking kill count joke the kill count joke is one of the funniest moments i've seen in a genuine horror like a horror movie not a horror comedy but just a horror movie that i was pissing myself laughing that's so funny especially when dad's like i killed i killed jones and myself (laughs) (laughs) killing himself um i think it's important to point out that each family member kills their own doppelganger and by the end of the film they've all killed their doppelganger including uh adelaide who is secretly one of the tethered anyway yes. um so i don't know about you but at the end of this movie i went and got a different colored pen and i went through all the notes i'd taken and i commented on my notes where i was like hey i wonder if that is significant or i wonder what this detail means because i was seeing a lot of really small details that seemed unimportant but I know enough from Get Out that Jordan Peele is not that kind of director. He's careful. So I, I wrote down, for example, rock, paper, scissors. So let's talk really quickly about the genius that is um, Adelaide's. So Adelaide, the real Adelaide becomes red. The little girl. Yeah, the yeah. little girl. So what happens is she goes into a Hall of Mirrors thing and she gets switched. And see, she switches places with this weird subterranean girl who is part of like this world of madness and then that weird crazy girl comes up and lives a hum- normal human life but they are all human that's important to keep very important there are no bad guys in this movie no there's not this is um i will get into the broad strokes of what i think the metaphor and the implications of this plot are which i think are very profound when you look at them from a step back but i want to talk about the nitty-gritty detail stuff really quick so yes please the reason so when, when the Tethered finally enact their plan and come to the surface and do their thing, every element of the Tethered's plan and their character design and their behavior is all informed by the first five minutes of the film, which is the last five minutes that Adelaide is topside. Yeah. They all wear all of the... So this is stuff that I started like writing down and went back some of it comes from imdb trivia some of it comes back from me just self-interrogating in the aftermath of this film the tethered all wear red jumpsuits because the hands across america paper cutouts are red they all wear one glove because the last thing she saw was michael jackson's thriller the last thing she got was that thriller shirt and she we know that she has seen the thriller video um one of the things that imdb trivia pointed out which i thought was amazing is the thriller video we find out that the thriller video has been giving adelaide nightmares um the end of thrill that thriller video is kind of wondering about the identity of the of the main character and is sort of uh resolved only with a knowing and mischievous smile before cutting away which is how this movie ends it ends the way thriller ends um so there's your michael jackson one glove connection she sees rock paper scissors right before um, she goes in the carnival. Yeah, yeah those, the carnival. The, the couple next to the 
booth or whatever. Yeah. Right. So I and I wasn't able to find any corroboration for this. I know that that's a reference to a tale of two sisters in which I think scissors are the main murder weapon. But I think that in the movie, the reason she uses scissors is she sees rock, paper, scissors within like two minutes of waking up underground chained to a bed. So fuck. So there's all that stuff. The reason she does the hands against America or the hands, the, I'm sorry, hands against, although in a weird wow, way. Wow, that's yeah. that's inappropriate. That is a appropriate Freudian slip. Um, but the hands across America, that was one of the last sort of like cultural events. That was the last cultural event that she saw before she went ended up underground this is where some of the political commentary starts coming in um i did some research on hands across america because i didn't know anything about it it's way before my time and it's apparently kind of a small event it's widely criticized as i think it's very 2019 appropriate hands across america was widely criticized as like a massive failure of a fundraiser huge yeah it's that sort of like celebrity activism thing because what happened basically what happened was there was enormous overhead costs to getting what six million or something people to join hands and like all the way across america here we go we've we're all holding hands that cost a shitload of money to do and a huge number of people who pledged didn't pay their pledges it was like the vast majority of pledges remained unpaid. So it cost a ton of money. Nobody paid any money. It was a big media event, but poor people got nothing out of it. Huh. Hmm. That seems kind of important, especially when at the end they recreate Hands Across America. But what these like poor, oppressed, downtrodden, subterranean, forgotten class of humans do is come up and start murdering all of the people who are living good, happy lives and not even being aware that this underclass exists. So th- for this movie to pull all of that together in like the last 10 minutes and just be like a crazy, weird, surrealistic romp up, up until this point, that's extraordinary. This is an sure extraordinary is. film. One of my favorite things about this movie is there's a lot of movies that have a lot of threads, but there are not a lot of movies that can keep all those threads apart until the very end. Eventually, they're going to get tangled up enough. They're going to be enough crossover that you're going to start to figure shit out. Right. This is a very loose ball of thread until the very end. And then it's almost like Jordan Peele's like, oh, look at all these threads I've got. And then he grabs the edges and goes, and it's just one fucking line. And you've got it's it. Like you're, it's like your cat's cradling with him back and forth. It's funny. You've got it. And then, yeah, suddenly he pulls both ends super tight. He's like, get your fingers in there now. It's a Dude, it's a magic trick. You think it's yeah. 50 threads and it's one thread yeah. that just fucking looks confusing. Incredible. It's fucking totally <laughs> incredible. Um, We're going to do a tear and repair on this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've been studying magic I and know. Japanese. Me too. I wasn't going to get too uh, too nerdy with it, but I was like, I mean, and I and I know a couple of methods he could use to do such a thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, that technically, is a tear and restore. I apologize. Right. You could also use scissors, which, you know, would be very apt for this film. Um, but one of the things that I wrote early on that I like about Jordan Peele as a director, which I actually think he does better in this film than he does with Get Out, Um. But I mean that, and that's like saying you know, like oh, he didn't. One Michelangelo is better than another. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, I'm like, that sounds critical of Get Out, I and it's not. I the first hundred <laughs> feet of the Sistine Chapel. The middle portion gets a little bit like, come on, man. You could tell he was getting sloppy. You know, you can see where he, he wasn't getting tired. His... Blood rushing to his feet or whatever. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. He knocked off for the day around, you know. <laughs> Job's... He's like, oh, I'll work on the penis later. Yeah, Job's tunic is a real rush job. You can see it. <laughs> but, like, you know. Um, 
one of the things I fucking love about this is that early walk through the the boardwalk when they're in Santa Cruz. That nineteen, I think it was seventy nine or shot, whatever. The, the big shot, the not big shot like Billy Joel, more yeah. like the shot that feels like the opening shot from Big. Yeah, where we're walking around at a kids that kids eye view thing. I yeah. love the kids eye view shot, and I love the sound design because the sound design in the car on the boardwalk is very deep. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like resonant sounds. There's sudden sounds like ding 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 ding. You know, someone's whooshing of the roller coaster. Right, the, yeah. the roller coaster rushes by, and it, sudden screams of crowds enjoying. Yeah. So it's it's the boardwalk, but it's kind of scary, but it's still fascinating. And what I realized is, for the first time on film that I can ever remember seeing, Jordan Peele captured the essence of what it is to go to a carnival as a child. That's what the carnival or what the boardwalk or what an amusement park feels like when you're that young. It's so exciting and you want to look at everything and you can't look away, but it's also startling and a little scary. I was going to say it's a little bit frightening. Yeah. So there's one the movie that I'm thinking of that captures the feeling of childhood this well is The Goonies, which is consistently referenced throughout the film. This is really good stuff. One of the things I love most about this is the attention that Jordan Peele pays not just to... Here, where can I shoehorn this fun detail in? Oh, look, here's a piece of trivia that'll go on IMDb. How fun. You know, the game The game is tied at 11-11, and one of the teams is Minnesota, and the Minnesota team... They're the twins. They're the twins, yeah. you know. The, the, what, the closest helicopter to us in the last shot is a twin engine, something that's named... It's named, like, the twin turbine twin mobile or whatever. Like, there's all sorts of shit. One of my favorite little bits of, like, incidental trivia is um the song i got five on it so you know do you know that's that's a reference to splitting a dime bag with somebody you know mm-hmm. i'm gonna pay five bucks of a ten dollar baggie two people coming together to contribute to purchase one whole thing even the song is a reference to the theme of the film and it became yeah like dude there's the shit is all through here it's fucking incredible well, how's how's cop killer fit in? <laughs> cop killer is just fucking amazing it's well. fucking incredible no it's that, it's hate the or it's uh it's fuck the police plays. it's fuck yeah, the it's police so fuck the police yeah yeah that's right cop killer doesn't and even the... exist anymore you can't find that song but no, no yeah fuck the police what a genius scoring moment and you know that again another nod in my opinion to funny games that crazy blaring metal music as a character walks tensely through a house full of dead people looking for the lone survivor. We get the exact same thing, but it's fuck the police, and we have a, the kids walking through the house looking for the last couple. It's that's a funny games reference. Yeah, when dad funny. when dad goes to the door and gets the bat stolen from him and gets his knee bashed in, he gets his knee. That's- he gets that's his fucking funny. Game, that's funny man. games. And it's not it's not a bat that was brought. It's his own piece of fitness equipment, exactly like his own golf club in front. That's a funny games reference. Even after dad drags himself into the living room and the family's all cowering together. What do you want? And not getting any straight answers. And they're that's told the, that's the sit scene. That's the that's sit like, scene in funny games. Let's, let us have a sit in the living room for 45 minutes and make you want to. Just barf because you're so uncomfortable. You're so uncomfortable. Let's talk about body dump in a boat that barely works. Bang. Funny games. Like, it's going to a secondary house from your first house after assailants have driven you out. Across a lake? Across a lake. Funny games. Like, it's only because I just watched this recently, but like... The, the references all through here are so incredible. Son's name is Jason. He wears a mask. It's, it's fucking Friday the 13th all the way through. Um... 
I I adore this. But what I was gonna say about the the scene, I didn't put that together. The Jason thing, <laughs> motherfucker. Um, the kid's name is Jason, and he wears a mask the whole time. Yeah. Now I I quit. <laughs> I I picked that up, but to my credit. Or, uh, I'm sorry, to my detriment, because I'm an idiot, I missed the other... There's a second Friday the 13th reference in there, which I fucking totally missed and should have gotten because of the end of the movie, which is, in the original Friday the 13th, Jason isn't even the killer, it's his mother, who's secretly the bad guy the whole time, which is how this movie ends as well. Motherfuckers. I know, man. Like, it's this type of shit that that gets me stoked about a movie, where you're like, oh my god, he did it! Oh my, he did, ah, I, you can't believe how well thought out this stuff is. How carefully and, like, how carefully considered. This dude's not banging out a script. Maybe he is. Maybe he writes, maybe he wrote this in a month and he's just got all that shit Who in his soul. Who fucking knows? Man, he's, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> either, either way, man. Ugh. I love it so much. And it's not just the little details that I love. One of my favorite things in here is the... So at the beginning, when she goes through the vision quest, find yourself, right? So uh, she goes into that like vision quest hall. There's all the there's like trees painted on the walls, and there's mirrors. So it's a hall of mirrors, but with like a tree theme. There's a great moment where the power goes out, and there's this bizarre shot that is very difficult to you. You have nowhere to ground yourself. You're not sure where you're standing, kind of thing. And it's all these. It looks like an endlessly reflected forest, but in among the trees are hanging exit signs, and some of them are backwards. It's weird. It's really weird. It looks like like glowing exit signs hanging from tree branches reflected all over. Some of them are backwards. It's one of the most surreal images I've ever seen, and I, I became really fascinated with it early on. Um, I especially like the the metaphoric implications of that shot, which are... Because we're about to we're about to sort of go down the rabbit hole, if you will. I'm sure you got the <laughs> Al- yeah a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah there's some Alice in Wonderland imagery going on. White rabbits, um, subterranean universes. She goes down a hole into a whole other frightening world, and we've got the Red Queen. Like, there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland going on, which I love. But one of the spookiest things for me when I got to the end of the movie is I thought back on that shot, and. There's like this mirror, the mirror quality, like the, you know, like the grass is always greener on the other side. There's Mm -hmm. this, there's the other side of the mirror. There's these other people that are living under us, under America, the, the reflection of us, the dark, mad reflection of this apparently sane, but unhappy thing that we are above. And these exit signs, these exit signs are all reflections and there is no exit ultimately for her. So it's like she... It's it's uh that's a that's a Sartre uh, play actually no exit so like her the exit that she finds is the exit to the tunnel and the exit that this little girl this little like crazy girl this mad woman underneath finds is an exit into the real world and we find out as an adult Lupita Nyong'o has a lot of problems she's got like some some mental issues her kids are kind of freaked out she doesn't really relate well to other people um. Both of them suffer for that for that switch. No one really comes out clean. Now that's one of my big takeaways from this, and I kind of said a little bit earlier. It's like where there's no there's no real bad guy in this. Yeah, the 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 chuds are coming up and killing people. Yeah, but I mean, there's no there's no like villain. There's no monster per se. It's 
it was a little it's not the it's not red young red adelaide's fault that she was the she was the result of a an experiment that the u.s did underground to control us that failed and was abandoned right right she's she she switched with this girl i mean yeah she she handcuffs her to a bed and she's got a creepy face but she she ends up figuring out what it means to be human she does fall in love i believe she loves her husband yeah i believe she loves her kids Mm -hmm. but she has also been this other person for the first six or seven years of her life or whatever right she's haunted by this like weird madness thing right and maybe at that young does she think that that was because when you think back to when you were a kid that age your memories are super weird like is this an actual memory of my grandfather in this experience we had or is this because memory is weird so she she could very well have sort of remembered this underground existence and then coming up to the to the surface now becoming a part of this family but you know she's like mid to late 30s when we meet her all grown up right so right this could be some she could view that memory as some sort of psychological damage that had occurred or you know, it's just fun. And then she's on re unraveling that mystery as she's just because she does not want to go to Santa Cruz. No, at uh, all. You, she remembers being something horrible happening in Santa Cruz and being chased by this girl. I love like, that she I love the way they explain that at the end. There's the there is a weird. So in Get Out, everything is grounded in I'm going to say air quotes reality. Like sure. it's brain surgeries and everything is literally everything is explained. One of the things that I love most about us is how little is actually explained by the end of the movie. Like, for example, we see this weird thing where, uh, you know, Adelaide has this childhood memory of her dad gives her a thriller shirt. And she sees, you know, she, oh, here's people on on the, the roller coaster. And, oh, here's people on the... And then by the end of the movie, we realize that all of those memories were fabricated entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, she really, her, like, her, this crazy, her father, this crazy person that was, like, reeling around the hallways and stuff and, like, twitching and holding his arms out and dropping cups of piss or whatever on the floor, he gives her, like, a, like a dark t-shirt that he gets from somewhere. And she remembers that as he won a thing. When he's, like, standing and just punching the wall... And then they cut to the whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. I almost like threw up. It was so fucked up and upsetting. Yep. Like he's just standing and punching this like brick wall mechanically. And then they cut to him like playing whack-a-mole. And mom is like staggering off somewhere. I, I love the, the way that Jordan Peele addresses the squirreliness of memory. Because you're watching this and you wonder like, does red because all of these people in the the upside down let's call it sure are clones these are all cloned human beings government manufactured clones government yeah government manufactured clones there's a great little bit of speech that red gives where she says they got they were able to copy the body but not the soul the soul is something shared between two so like the the people down below and these people up above are sh- like sh- I love the implication that the government did that so that they could use these underground dwellers to control us like marionettes. Yeah, because we we do find out that um which oh my god, it's sigil magic again. 
That's exactly what sigil magic is, is creating a microcosm of a macrocosm and then manipulating the microcosm to affect change in the macrocosm. That's what they're doing, but with clones. That's fucked mm-hmm. up. That's some high-level sci-fi shit right there, bro. Um, yeah. But I love the bit where the son realizes that he can do that when he's playing the game with the kid. I might notice he figured it out. He, like, the kid, Jason figures this shit out before all of us, that he can manipulate what his red is doing right right he like makes eye contact with the red and then does a thing and then starts what the that burn was fucking awesome so good dude i i got the i got the the goosebump the little goosebumpy dude it's incredible like slowly casually walking backwards seeing the pant legs just go up and the actor is still just calmly walking back Stunt. Can I interject just a really fun thing about Burns? Um, so I watched uh, a documentary about Kane Hodder. I think it's on Netflix or Prime. Oh, hell yeah. I wish I remember. Just just Google at home, listeners. Google Kane Hodder documentary. It's like an hour 45. The burliest Dude, Jason. The bur- he goes into like he got seriously fucking burned. Yeah. On, on a burn early, early in his career. Like was going to die six months in the hospital. Like, But he's still he still burns or what he's still known for. Like he, he that fuck man. Uh, I love burns. And I just want to throw that out. Like watch, do yourself a favor. If you like I horror also, movies. Yeah. Burns. I'm, I'm also a big Hunter. fan of, of burns. Um, mostly. So you, I know you're getting like deep into magic. Yeah. There's a deep cuts. There's a really, which deep... is what the ring that he has is to, it's a light flash paper, essentially like the yeah. little, yeah, it's a flash paper igniter. So the mm-hmm. spark catches the flash paper, and then you have flame in your hand. But he only uses the spark, which yep. I think is cool. Um, but there's a there's a deep cuts um, journal that you can find. It's it's a Teller of Penn and Teller writing a journal about uh, Penn teaching him to do fire eating. So it's like day one. Here's my method. It's pretty easy to find resources on. Here's how you do fire eating and stuff like that. But reading tellers like three or four it's like three or four longish journal entries about learning how to do fire eating you realize that there's no way to do that that doesn't fuck your mouth up bad there's no safe ease you don't ease into it yeah yeah you like there's there's definitely a method there's like technique there's a lot of technique involved but even when you do every single thing right and actually you can find Penn Jillette saying the same thing in like interviews I got interested in fire eating last year so I was like looking at it and then you do some reading and you're like you kind of have to be fucked up to do this because even when everything goes right your tongue and your lips and the roof of your mouth are covered in blisters for days after you do this every time there's no way to avoid that because you're putting fire in your mouth that's just for real. So, like, when you see people doing fire eating, you're like, what a great trick. Just know that they're, like, eating popsicles for days because their mouth is filled with, like, suppurating blisters. I mean, obvious, obviously you it's don't, not. You don't, you, don't, you don't earn callus on your mucous membranes in your mouth. Nope, because they replace themselves so quickly. So yeah. you, you can't toughen. You can psychologically and mentally toughen yourself up, but you're really just kind of torching parts of your mouth. There, there's ways to do it safely, but you're always going to have those little like micro blisters on your lips after you do Fuck it. That shit. Man. Yeah. So like, I, it's always eating the coffee right out the pot. Right. You get coffee's done. Watch some hot chocolate. God. Yeah. Watched, it's just you know <laughs> you like just watched Army of Darkness. So yeah, it'd be like doing. I want some hot chocolate. Do you like that? Do you? Sorry. Oh no, man. I'm. 
I'm with you. Like that that original trilogy. I always save them up until Halloween. We watch. Oh man, Evil Dead Two. I didn't know Danielle's like this is the wildest fucking shit I've ever seen. I think Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead Two is my favorite. I love Army of Darkness. Mm. Evil Dead Two though. I agree. There's some wild shit that happens in that fucking movie. I've man. watched it's Evil not... Dead One like maybe a, a thousand times. I've watched Evil Dead Two less, but it's. I definitely agree. I think it's the better of the two. It's more fun for sure. Have you seen the oh, remake yet? Not yet. It's, it's on the it's on the short list. You and Danielle, there's. I'll tell you right now, there's no rape, no clowns. So she is okay to watch that. I'll give you a warning though. That is a rowdy Does movie. Tree rape count though? No, there's no tree rape in it. Oh, there is in the first one. Not in the third. Not in the remake. Well, there might be actually. No, yeah, there is. No, I'm wrong. Never mind. There is <laughs> there is tree rape in the remake, and it's kind of it's kind of gnarly. Um. Bummer. Anyway, I think Dan. Back to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> dude. It's the Halloween season. We got movies. Um, I love the the backwards not mirror girl, where she like backs up. Cause at first watching it, you're you almost don't catch that it's not her reflection. Cause she backs up to her reflection, and you're like, wait a minute. She came from the side and her reflection didn't move. That was a weird shot. And that's how you sit for a second. You're like, wow, what a crazy shot. And then she turns around, but the other girl doesn't. That shit. It... That was the first moment that Danielle said, nope, 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 <laughs> don't know if I can do this movie. Nope, nope, nope. Dude, mirror stuff scares me so bad. Dude, I, I have that note so many times. I can't do mirror shit, man. Poltergeist 2, ugh, can't do it. Anything with a reflection, I just ugh, don't like it. It's it's so spooky. Oh God, I'm not. I swear I won't derail us. But Bird and I just started watching a TV show called The Fall, starring uh, Gillian Anderson. It's a serial killer, like cat and mouse thing. So I've, I've seen it. You have? Yeah, it's really fucking good, man. It's Did, so good. Free on Tubi. Anybody who's listening to this right now, go at least watch the first episode and see if it's for you. I think it is. It's fucking top tier. I haven't seen something that, this good since True Detective, detective season one. Detective, dude. It, the detective is fucking amazing. Out of control. Yeah. Amazing. But they both are. One of my favorite parts of that of that show at the beginning was there was a shot that baffled bird and it was a, the serial killer has a cell phone and he walks up to a mirror and he raises the cell phone and you, he's just, he's filming, he's filming himself, filming himself. He holds the camera out to the side, but we're not following the camera. We're following his eyes the camera is where his eyes are. And that angle doesn't change, but the phone moves around and birds like, how in the fuck did they do that? Cause there's no camera. And I'm like, that's mime. That is two yeah. dudes. That is two dudes standing in front of an open space. They must have done that scene a hundred fucking times because you yeah, cannot yeah. tell. But when you look at it, there's only one way you do that shot. There's only one way. You do mime. Yep. You have left, right. You work your tempo. Where's the camera gonna go? There are a couple moments where like one camera's too where one cell phone's like too far to the left. You but it's so dis unbarely discernible. I love yeah. I love watching people shoot creatively with mirrors. I hate scary mirror shit. It scares me so bad. That just reminds me that we still have to watch Enter the Void. We do have That's to watch all. Enter the Void, and we should probably watch this movie called The Broken, where people's reflections start coming out of mirrors, killing them and assuming their lives. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> um, speaking of eyes, I think this is one of my favorite bits of editing and creative shooting ever. The lead-in to the the opening credits. Which is, okay, so it's, that yeah, the pan out from the rabbit, 
And the fact that we're given no context at all. That rabbit shot, we don't even come back to rabbits until the, like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yep. We get a casual mention of them and we don't have, we see that room like almost at the end. My favorite thing is when young young Adelaide turns around and we don't see what she sees, but we see her face. So I think this is brilliant. We're in a very dark room. The actress who's playing very young Adelaide is she's very very dark skinned. So when her eyes pop wide, the whites of her eyes are so viscerally white. It's the only thing you can look at in that super dark room. It's like the darkest color palette ever. Bang! These like viciously white whites of her eyes. And then we smash cut to a white rabbit. Like just the face of a white rabbit with like almost black eyes. So it's, it's like we just jumped. It's it's the equivalent of a sudden like rack zoom into her eyeball because the rabbit is the whites of her eyes and the black eye is her pupil. It's like we just leapt into her into the symbol of her terror. And that is where our opening credits start. That's a genius shot. That's a that's an amazing bit of shooting. So what I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it's something I noticed on this view is we don't start. We don't stop that particular trajectory of moving from in close up on something to pulling. We're we're moving backwards. Yeah. Then we're moving backwards. Normally when you are in like a helicopter shot going over a location, you're moving forward through it. Right. Once we get our location and we're in the present day, the camera is moving backwards through the forest. Then we pick up on the, the the car moving. Then we go inside. We're looking out of the back of the vehicle as we're driving. The car is driving towards us, and oh, we're looking out as interesting. the and the and, and, and the 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 camera decides to. It's when we cut to looking at Adelaide through the passenger window when when we finally stop that. So she's the first thing we see, adult Adelaide after all this backward movement. Everything is moving. The other way, like a reverse image. So we're always shooting like a the, the receding view or the opposite view that we'd expect. So we're shooting right. through the through the looking glass, kind of, until kind we of. get to Adelaide, and that's when it stops. Yeah, it's fucking smart, man. That's I really know, smart shooting. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the thing, one of the my favorite things that I noticed about this pretty early on, um. The, the first thing that tipped me off that Jordan Peele was gonna was nodding to The Shining here and there. Part of it was the opening shot when they're on their way to the cabin and they're doing the, like the long flyovers. Yep, that's totally an homage, right? Going the uh, opposite way of what you would normally expect. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like, so that's that's um, family driving to the Overlook kind of nod homage Very thing. Much. And then the second one where I didn't get it until I saw them dead and then I like retroactively was like oh fuck I think that's what they're doing here um when the twins are killed remember so the twins are killed on that like landing that that little uh, it's yeah um, one gets the loft. Get, yeah one gets alley ooped over the over the side through the glass table the other one is big to shit no before that the oh. the OG oh, twins the, uh, the, the OG real twins. Uh, the mis- oh yeah we see it from like outside yeah the topsider twins so they're like yeah. they're hanging out on that thin remember it's like a hallway but really it's yep. a loft but it's a hallway with space and they're murdered by their the I have a note about this the suddenness the unfeelingness and the brutality with which that family is just quickly stabbed and killed that happens in 
they're all dead in three seconds. Well, I mean, Elizabeth Moss say, yeah. is crawling around, but they're all fucking dead in three seconds. The quickness with which that happened, I, to me, is rivaled only by the 2018 Halloween for, for brutality. I got that yep. same gross feeling of, like, all they're doing is putting metal into meat until these people are dead. That's horrible. Yep. It was it was disgusting. It's really disgusting. In a good way though. Like, you know, where you're watching and you're like, oh, it's fucked. Ooh. It's totally fucked. <laughs> um, but when the kids come in and they're doing their like slow roll through the house, they go up the stairs and they get to the landing and the twins are dead. The twins are dead in the same fucking pose as the dead twins in the shining. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, me, they're man? laying on the ground in the same orientation. I mean, it's a little different because the space is a little different, but they're like kind of distant from each other. They're laying in Look pools. Look at what their own shirt blood. I choose to wear today. Oh, you wore the. Oh my god, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that shirt? Uh, I got it on like shirt B t shirt t shirt com. Send me a link. That Overlook shirt is fucking sweet. I can't copy you, but if I can find another shining shirt like that, goddamn, I'm about it. I need a oh, shining yeah, shirt in my life. But yeah, so the kids, the the twins, are dead in the same pose as the dead twins in the hallway, and then I realized that um, uh, like they they do the same kind of talking in unison thing too. But after I saw them dead, I was like, oh, them talking on the beach and they talk together. Jinx, jinx, jinx double jinx, jinx triple jinx. Then yep. they keep doing it. I was like, this is a shining reference for fucking sure. I love it. I love it, dude. I love I love that he is a film fan and and that he joyously references movies he likes. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that the way I love it. And when... it's, it's a reference the way a reference is meant to be done, where it's not a direct Someone like a Kevin Smith, I still love him. He will yeah. directly reference something. He will show you the actual scene. Oh. He'll like, this is a scene from Star Wars. And talk Remember about the it. scene from Star Wars, right. right? But this is like, it's a subtle spin on the thing you're familiar with. Or just you're skipping a stone across the pond that is that reference. Where it's right. like, oh, he's putting, you get it. He puts stuff, He's he seems like the kind of filmmaker who is a film fan first and not only that but the kind of film fan that you would want to sit down and talk with absolutely i feel like he makes movies that stand completely on their own and if you've never seen a movie before and you watch one of his it's good it's amazing his movies are amazing but if you're also kind of like i think this is why connor sweeney likes his shit so much is connor sweeney we're talking about at the beginning that is a genuine film fan he is he doesn't and he doesn't like horror movies yeah, in not general, not much. Speaking, he doesn't. But like, he's brought us Mandy, Get Out, and Us. Yeah, it's very strange. And he recommended Midsummer to us as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he recommended The Lighthouse, which he's also. Yeah, he watches a lot of horror movies for not like. For someone that doesn't like horror, for no, someone that doesn't like Coen Brothers movies, I also. He yeah, I know he he doesn't <laughs> like horror the way you don't like the Coen Brothers, which is like he's a diehard fan. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think Connor. I think Connor just does. I get it. I've, I've, we've talked. I've on the phone a couple times because he's. I've, I felt a little bad about how hard we went at him for Midsummer because I'm like, dude, it's so good. You should watch it. I get it. He there's there are just certain images he doesn't want in his head. I don't think it's horror he has a problem with. It's like the really kind of twisted, disturbing stuff that you and I seek out intentionally, constantly. introduced to as the as for the show i think our first encounter with lupita nyong'o for measuring flicks was 12 years a slave yep sure so 
Yeah, and uh, we saw that. I remember us just talking for, like, what, 25 hours about of that episode? I think about how incredible the performances were across the board, but Lupita Nyong'o in particular being... She's a, she's a stellar actress. Um, she's been in three Star Wars movies now, I want to say. Yep. Yep, she's been in... So three Star Wars movies. I've seen her in... Uh, we recently just saw her in... Is she in Widows? I can't remember. Oh man, now I don't remember. I know I don't remember either. But uh, we, I just watched some something with her in it, and then I watched Us last night. And I was like, oh shit! And I saw her name in the credits, and I'm like, yeah, sweet, Lupita Nyong'o, she's amazing. But because it's been so long since I saw her do something heavy, like Twelve Years a Slave, I kind of forgot how good she was, dude. Her vocal performance in this as Red is is just. I, I can't, she she even look I mean she even just looks like a completely different person. Like she you can tell it's the same person like they're clones. Yeah, yeah. But the way she the she, way she holds her uh, face yeah, her, and Yeah, like the muscles in her she has the same face but she's used she maybe hasn't laughed as much as Adelaide. So her she doesn't have quite the the the, the laughter so, like her face is structured different because she's used different face muscles there's a really, throughout her life, and it fucking translates. There's a really manic quality to her smile, where like yeah. the where like the the cheeks go really broad, and it's her laugh. Her like uh, here I have to let all the air out of my lungs really quick, but like her like <laughs> that's fucking scary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it, dude. Dude, that's it. Right, exactly there. The other, Ooh. this is a. Remember, we were talking about how Ari Aster utilizes sound, and that is a very often overlooked aspect of filmmaking is or of performance is like how are you breathing that, like from Midsummer or like <laughs> just sounds can really fuck with you, and watching Elizabeth Moss scream. And you think like, oh, they cut the sound off, but then you hear her like <laughs> making like little crying sounds, and then she opens her mouth wide and does the scream again, like the, <sighs> but no fucking sound comes out, and then you hear her breathing, and you're like, oh, she's just she's they're still recording her audio, but she's screaming silently. That fucks with you, yeah. Lupita Nyong'o. Every time she talks fucks with you she based that vocal performance off of i read two different sources it's that either way it's the there's a disease a pulmonary disease i can't remember what it's called but robert f kennedy had it it's a specific disorder where basically like your lungs seize up on you kind of so you have that kind of weird like i and then you like will stop and your voice will pitch really low and it's i mean it's you can watch the movie and it's i watched some clips of people who have it and her performance is exactly what it sounds like um so like Hearing her do that, that weird, that weird, like, lung disorders, disturbed way of talking, um, one of my favorite things about that, th- there's a similar story recently from Joker. Joaquin Phoenix based his Joker laugh on people who have pathological laughter, which is a psychological disorder where you just start to laugh randomly and can't stop. And often, you know, you can watch him talk about it or you can watch videos of people who have it. When they start to laugh, 
they look so sad and scared because they're like, this is not laughter. This is just a fucking thing that's coming out of me, and I yep, hate it's it. It's an uncontrolled thing. It's, so oh, my they God, get it's really horrifying. Yeah, yeah, they get, like, really hysterical. Some of them will start to cry, but they're laughing like they're full of mirth. That's who he based his Joker laugh off of. We famously know that the la- uh, the maybe the most famous Joker, um, Heath Ledger, he based his whole Joker character on ventriloquist dummies. Like, I love when actors pick weird shit and incorporate it very faithfully and respectfully into their performance. It's amazing. And she does an amazing job here. But Jordan Peele's doing something pretty amazing here, too, which is he's dovetailing his directorial and writing style with Lupita Nyong'o's performance. Because this is one of the first clues that Red is a topsider who was switched at birth because none of the other tethered can talk at all. Yep, they all grunts and squeals and screams and ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah, very like primal. And we should we should probably just props all of the tethered because the like oh like all of that shit, all the grunting and the clicks, the little like like they're that all that stuff is amazing. What's yeah. the only reason that we're highlighting Lupita Nyong'o is because she's actually getting to use words, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> um. But I love that. Like, in retrospect, you realize. Because when at the end of the movie, you kind of figure out. You're like, yeah, yeah, they were switched. And you're like, oh, yeah, she's the only one who can talk. Um, I read a really interesting um, analysis of this film on Bloody Disgusting, maybe? I can't remember. I was just looking at horror movie reviews. And someone pointed out that the, the, the biggest tell is she talks about God. And since the tethered have no language of any kind, they would absolutely not have any concept of God. Zero clue of that. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't make that's a that's a topsider concept. How does she have it? You know. And once upon a time, there was a girl. Like yeah, mm, yeah. Girl, oh god, dude! Just like hearing hearing how fucking st- it's knowing what she sounds like, really, and then the fact that she's able to bend the timbre of her voice that far out of true and then maintain it and incorporate unusual breathing patterns into yep. it. Yeah. Cause it, cause at that point it becomes a voice that you're doing right. Cause you in the audience, you pick up that they're doing a voice when it is this consistent right. and thought out and studied and practiced. It's not a voice. It's how she speaks. And yeah. it's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's the difference between doing an accent, doing a voice and being Daniel day Lewis and becoming a voice. You it's the I mean? difference between Daniel Day Lewis doing an accent and Robert Downey uh, Jr. doing Shakespeare. Robert, right? <laughs> I love Robert Downey Jr., but dude, Shakespeare's not that's not cloth that he was meant to sew with, no. you know, or whatever. All right. Um <coughs> All right, yeah, so Lupita Nyong'o's performance stunning. Oh, there's another um there's another really interesting um hint early on very early on when elizabeth moss and lupita nyong'o are sitting on the beach together talking and she's drinking oh my god the rose like there's a great example of a joke gotta get my wife for medicine hey what do you say i hate you like come on funny as fuck um but when she is like talking and lupita nyong'o is not really responding and she goes are you good and she goes yeah I'm, i'm sorry i just don't i don't just talk very well that's because the tethered don't speak. They have no language. Right. So sh- when she was developing, she never learned how to have a conversation. She eventually learns to communicate because during her air quotes rehabilitation from her trauma, she's taught to speak again. She learns language slowly. But uh, I love that she just, she, I, I, ah, ooh, I don't talk very well. Oh, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, 
more little trivia stuff since we're at Elizabeth Moss. Remember when they're talking about how she had a little bit of work done? A little work done, just, you know, just a little bit. Just a tiny little. And then that's why her underside person is like scarring her, cutting up it's her cheeks. It's because as we, as we learned from the story that the second child when Zora was born, it, she had to have a cesarean section where the baby was cut out in a hospital. But if we're tethered, Red, when she had her daughter... She had to have a cesarean section, but she did it herself. Yeah. So when she got her work done on her eyes, yeah, the tethered below were cutting into their own faces. Yeah, that's that. that's yeah. partially why we see her the, see her do the carving yep. into her face with her scissors. Um, I guess here. Let's. How much time do we have? Because I we should talk some big picture some stuff. Okay, we yeah. do. We have a little bit of time left. Um. I just want to share with you a couple of my favorite lines first because we were talking about funny lines. I think I hope I know what your first one's going to be. Go. My first, one of my favorite lines that is ha- that in this movie is when the the red family is in the driveway. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're knocking on the door, and they they have a key, and she says, "Oh my God, the hide a key," and Gabe says, "Hide a key? What kind of white shit?" <laughs> <laughs> And then it's not so much the line, it's the delivery that uh, Gabe gives when he does go outside. Yeah. And he's like, um, he's trying to convince them to go and to leave. And he says, um, hold on, what is the fucking line? I have it right here. Uh, bear with me. Uh, essentially, he's like, y'all, you need to get the fuck out of here because I just called the police and day on day way. Like, yeah, and he, he pitches his voice. He pitches way down to like sound more intimidating. Bird mentioned that too. She's like, y'all they... get the fuck out of here because I just called the police and day on day way. And he like, like, yeah, he dives way down. I love how hard he hits property too. He's like, yeah. now it's time for y'all to get off my property. And he just like <laughs> nails every little bit of it. The yeah. the only and I I say this with like all the love in the world. Really, I'm only including this is because otherwise it would just be you and me just chugging this movie's dick for an hour and a half. Yeah. There is one moment that felt slightly ever ever beep, 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 one grain of sand overacted, and it's when Gabe's voice cracks inside the oh, family yeah, shortly after. It's like yeah, I gotta get out of yeah, here. Yeah, he does kind of yeah. like. Well, I don't know, John Wayne. He does a little bit of that, but it's dude. It's just so barely. It was, I had to find one thing to say just so that it wasn't just you and me being like, this is a, it's, we've, we've loved everything we've watched for so many episodes in a row now. That's the only Um, thing where I was like, okay. The only little reference and thing that I, I don't know if it's, it's a thing or not, but it made me giggle and laugh. Um, because, uh, Jason is wearing a Chewbacca mask the whole time. And when the car is on fire and his red is outside, he puts his Chewbacca mask down and says, it's a trap. Chewbacca doesn't say it's a trap. It's Akbar, but it's clearly a Star Wars fucking reference. Good job, dude. I missed that one too. Oh my God. It's so. See, that's this movie all the way through. When someone tells you a trivia bit, you're like, fucking of course. How did I miss that, stupid idiot me? But that's, dude. Again, it's not a direct reference. It's it's Chewie doesn't. That's how Jordan Peele makes his references. Yes. Hides it in plain view. Hell yeah. It's just incredible. Super sneaky. Oh, I love and it. 
I love yeah, it. So that's all a little bit of that I had. I mean, my one of my favorite, like, just off the cuff lines is maybe you can kiss my anus, Laura. <laughs> oh, no, that's fucking hilarious. Like, wait, I would actually just rather you fucking swear. Yeah, it's like, 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 anus, like, anus kissing. Like, I love that when he's like, anus isn't a swear word. He's like, I would almost, <laughs> almost you rather swear in this one instance. Right. Mom, are you laughing? No, I'm not laughing. Just laughing her ass off. That is so fucking funny. Oh, that was one of the things in the trailer that always bothered me. But when you get to the end of this movie, it makes sense. Is when when um, Adelaide is trying to teach her kid to keep the beat, and she's off rhythm the whole time. Yeah, she's not on beat at all. So what I thought it was originally, you know how in movies they'll like they'll insert Temp the score didn't match the what the the song they actually ended up with. Yeah, they or maybe they like okay in the scene you guys are listening to I got five on it and he blah blah blah. But then when they put the when they put the music in in post production, it doesn't quite right. line up. We've seen movies where this happens. You know, the crowd's dancing off beat. It happens all the time. Uh, constantly. It's That's hard. one of the hardest things to fucking sync up. Live, yeah, live music in movies is really difficult to do because any variation in tempo and you're gonna drift and that's you're fucked. But I was in retrospect watching that scene, everyone in the car is singing along to it. Dad and the daughter are bobbing in time. The only one who's off is mom. And I, this is that thing where we talked about it with Midsummer. Um, he's putting, he's doing runes backwards, but he's putting some of them in right, so you know that the air quotes mistakes are intentional. I think that's what he's doing here, because the rest of the family is in time except mom. There's a great line. This is I totally read online. I never would have fucking caught this at the beginning when uh, Dad says some shit about swearing, and the kid says, "You point one finger at us, you got three pointing back at you," and. The uh, mom go or the dad goes four. It's yeah four pointing back. There's four of us here, you know. Like, but the kid doesn't subconsciously doesn't include the mom as part of the family because she's not part of the family. That's not throwaway dialogue. That's and it actually is that is actually called back later when all of the members of the family. Um, they're in that second house and they're sitting around and trying to decide what to do. Dad says, "Hole up." The kid says, hole up. The daughter says, hole up. Mom is the only one who wants to leave. She's pointing in one direction, and the other three members they're of the all, family, they're all pointing in the other. Yeah. Yep. So, like, My that. God. Yeah. I, I read that online, and I was like, man, I. sometimes when we're doing movies for this show, you never know what you're going to get when you go in, but, like, movie like this, you're like, we should have watched this. I mean, you did, but like, we should have watched this like two weeks ago. Watched it four mm-hmm. times. We should have a paper. Like, we, I own we should it. Have... I own it now, so I've watched this shit whenever I want, man. Yeah, ditto. It's I so just it, sometimes it feels like for the show, though. Like, you're like, God, how I never would have caught that until like watch number oh right eight yeah. or whatever. You know, like we watch it. We watch. Sometimes we'll watch it two times. Um, sometimes we'll have a week before we talk, and we have a lot of time to sit, but. Movies like this, there's not enough time to do this justice for a show. You'd have to watch this five times. Yeah. So you cheat and you go to IMDb and you're like, tell me the <laughs> secrets. Tell me all of your Seacrest. <laughs> all of your Ryan Seacrest. Um, bird's eye shot in the sand when they're walking on the beach. Um, some people, I, I'm the only, I guess I'm the only person who thought. So the, thi- the, the re- sand was. Like tunnels, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that the sand made like weird tunnel patterns and it immediately made me think of all the subterranean tunnels, but really apparently what that shot is meant to accomplish is it shows their four shadows in a row, 1111 and their oh, shadow selves. Like that's the homage. The sand is 
the sand definitely looks intentionally um, like formed into some sort of pattern, though. It's I, very I overlook hotel carpet. I was thinking the same thing. I was, I was like, it, it was very much reminding me of the carpet in the overlook sort of scenario. Right. Um, did I mention wearing a Chewbacca mask and it's a trap yet? <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did mention that. I was, I was like super fucking proud of that. <laughs> I mean, you caught it. Um, what the fuck? The boat dump. Oh my God. I have so many notes. This isn't good. <laughs> um, what can I burn through so that we don't have to just. One of my notes is even Steve, even Steve's dupe is a twat. Even Steve's dupe. His duplicate. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy who's coming. Dupe is a twat. His whole like, he's like, huh, huh, huh. Come on in. Huh? Like <laughs> the way he's just a Marion. without without having the power of speech, being able to communicate. You, this dude is a shit. He's just a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his like weird marionette, the, like the yeah, the, his like, marionetting he, of his. You know, he reminded me of the um the guy from Versus. Who okay. comes back as like weird frog, frog man dude or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the one of my f- okay. So I love the introduction of the synchronicities, where Ma- uh, Adelaide starts talking about you know how you see like coincidences here and there, and you start thinking back to eleven eleven. The uh, Jeremiah eleven eleven guy was murdered. Um, you see like the. My God, dude! Like the fact that we get like the the guy in the coat, the like homeless guy in the coat with the bloody fingers, standing with his arms out. He's standing, waiting for other people to come take his hand. Yeah, he's the first one. He's the first one out in in position, where it looks like it's that Christ pose or some sort of like we've seen we've seen this crazy person in other movies. Right. It's the crazy eyed guy from like in the Mouth of Madness or whatever. It's just like. It's that crazy person, but now knowing, no, he's just the first one in position, ready to hold hands with his person on the left and his person on the right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he found his little spot in the chain, and he's there now. That's where he's at. Yep. The little boy. I think it's interesting that the little boy is able to take control of his doppelganger after he spreads his arms out. It's that. It's that that cult thing, like he puts his arms out and the programming kicks in. Oh, yep. this is what we've been practicing down under the earth. You put we your arms out. We both just adjusted our shirts at the exact same Bang. time. Yeah, that's that cult thinking, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> when you've talked to each other for 4,000 hours of podcasts. Um I love the introduction of the horror. Like the movie is weird, the movie's unsettling, but when the movie becomes scary, that starts with just there's a family in our driveway. And I love Gabe's response. There is not a family in our driveway. What he he's that is so it's like midnight. That is so far outside of like anything that would ever be possible that he he just his kid told him that and he just discards it out of hand. He's like, whatever you just said is wrong. And then you're but he's right, though, because seeing that family in the drive, just seeing a family in the driveway. In the same order that they appear in on the uh, family stickers on the back of the family's car. Mm-hmm. Appearing in the driveway in the middle of the night. A family. There's something about the fact that the kids are there, too, that makes that scary. We've seen a single grown man. We've seen a yep. couple. The stalker outside or two people. But, but there's, there's fucking a kids. family. Yeah, and I think, I think it's interesting that Gabe points that out. He's like, what, are you scared of a family? 
you know, like, there's kids out there. They're like, yeah, it's a family. There's nothing. You can't be a bad family. You can be a bad man or a bad pair of adults, but a family unit is never bad, right? You apparently never watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I can think of a bunch of bad families. There's this right. one extended family. The, the Devil's ma- Rejects. Yeah. Uh. The Firefly family. Terribly horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love, there's a lot of Jung in here, by the way. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get us into that because I. I think Midsummer got really heavy with like psychology and occult stuff. Sure. But but it's here. Yeah, I mean they they literally talk about synchronicities, which are meaningful coincidences that are actually trying to tell you something. Which you and I have been talking about a lot for the last two and a half years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bird and I constantly talk about it. It's one of like the main aspects of like occult practices, noticing synchronicities. But that comes from a mainstream Carl Jung. He's a mainstream respected psychologist. People are gonna be like, no, he wasn't. He was a drug using <laughs> occult psychologist. Right. But whatever. There, he's he wrote books. The man wrote books. Um, <laughs> but they also t- the there's another Jungian concept in here, the shadow. And this will be my springboard into um into our big broad strokes conversation we probably will have to sacrifice some of my notes but whatever no don't worry let's let's dig in um so the shadow this Jungian concept of the shadow this is actually something that Anton LaVey explored too Uh, Anton LaVey being I think we've talked about him on the show he's the founder of the American Church of Satan yep really interesting guy very interesting started as a carnival barker interestingly enough interesting and and a calliope player he was also a crime scene photographer for the police yeah, he lived an interesting life. He was a um, renaissance man as yep, well. Boyfriend of Jane Mansfield. Like, he did a whole lot of stuff in his life. Um, but so Ant- Anton LaVey and Carl Jung both kind of talk about this. It, Jung named it. It's the shadow, which is the the dark parts of ourself, our subterranean desires, our urges. The I'm going to say the air, co- air courts for sure because this is all subjective, but like the, the worst parts of our nature or the the darker parts of our nature, the shadow, the part that we don't want to acknowledge and deal with. But because it's part of our of who we are as a total human, you know, um, one of the things Jung believed, uh, and also Bird was telling me that this is a part of a cult practice as well, is to become a whole person, you need to integrate your shadow. Right. You Basically, you need to come to terms with the shit about yourself that makes you uncomfortable and figure out how that factors in and, and how that informs who you are. You, Good Ash and evil Ash just need to come together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that. But yeah, exactly. You just if you get those two together, then you are a complete person. Mm-hmm. But separate, neither aspect is a complete person. The good you like. I think that that is at least. Part well, there is a flaw in being. 100% good like we run into this in D&D all the time if you're fucking like lawful good lawful evil that's real hard that's a real hard thing to as soon as you go add chaos into the mix or you're a neutral the the possibilities are more open right yes certain avenues are closed to you that's an interesting way to look at that is you you don't you don't have as many options if you only have one set of beliefs and structures at your fingertips and others suffer for it and well and yourself included yeah oh yeah definitely um one of the things i thought was really interesting is the nature of this under first of all the nature of this like weird subterranean underground thing where the government is making clones of every citizen in the united states This to me felt so Stephen. this is like a page from stephen king this the the shop or the company that that's 
throughout a lot of King's early works. This is the shop came up with this fucking underground thing. Yeah. For sure. Is it a the ones that so in the in his in King's early books like Firestarter okay. in particular. Uh-huh. Um so the young girl has pyrokinesis and she's able to create fire with her mind. Yeah. She was a result of like a um or being chased by it's sort of nebulous. Uh, the this government agency called the Shop, mm. and that is what they deal in the the extraordinary, the like telekinesis things. They would be a kind of organization that would create a bunch of clones to try and control the the above grounders. Like it was is a very much the Shop. We know just enough about it to be afraid of it and curious. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was like so fucking love it. I love uh, the mysterious agency, and then left. Then leaves just leaves it. Fuck it, it didn't work. And the, fucking I, leave it. I they love. Abandon it. I love that they abandon it and leave the people down. Leave there. the people. It's so fucked up. That is the craziest. They didn't like pump a bunch of fucking like sarin gas in there or something, and like just they didn't nuke the site from orbit. They just let the fucking thing. Well, keep that's going. the thing. The site is the entire United States. Yeah, it's all of us. It's, it's the everywhere. whole country. Is the site. Um, this reminds me that the, what I immediately thought of is project MK ultra. So, and again, if you, if listeners, if you have not heard of project MK ultra, you can just, it's, there's Wikipedia pages about it. A lot. There was a, for a long time, it was rumored to be like a, just that a rumor and people thought it was just a hoax or a conspiracy theory or like a myth until all the files got declassified. Now you can read a whole lot about project MK ultra and it was pretty fucked up. The whole purpose was basically to learn how to either mind control people or shatter the personality of soldiers using drugs, torture, and sleep deprivation so that you could reassemble that personality with a splinter personality inside so that you could activate that personality, have them go do some like covert operation stuff, and then use a trigger word to make that part of their brain subconscious again. So if they were tortured or questioned, they wouldn't have access to the information that they'd gathered. They wouldn't even know they'd done it. So that's the idea behind Project MKUltra. It was a U.S. government-sanctioned mind control project. That's true. That's 100% true. Everything I just said is fucking on the books, which is wild to even think about. It was started back in the 50s, I believe, and went all the way through, I want to say, the late 60s or early 70s. Um, Nuts, man. There are some really controversial aspects of that where they were uh, allegedly. I can't. I mean, it sounds like the whole damn thing is pretty controversial. To be completely honest with you. Yeah, they used to give people LSD. There are aspect aspects of this mind fuckery. <laughs> I would say the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, the entire. The, you can just conclude that entire sack. Yeah, there are. Um, there are. Up. There are many. There's a lot of facets to this, and actually, what I just said right there was like the Disneyland version of MK Ultra. Sure. There's some yeah. very dark and heavy shit that I don't want to get into, but the real Project MK Ultra makes this weird under underworld thing that um, Jordan Peele does in this movie. I'd say MK Ultra is a little worse than this. That's how That's fucked it is. Anyway, what happened with Project MK Ultra basically was somebody started looking at it and going like. Should we just be like dosing people with huge amounts of LSD without telling them and then they're killing themselves? Is that, are we doing that? And then Project M. Kelter was like, what? What? And they're like, what are all those kids over there? And they were like, no, 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 no. It's, yeah, we, uh, and then they closed the program down very suddenly and destroyed all the files or almost all the files. Right. Um, so, what <clears throat> this, what the scariest part of this fucking subterranean group of people in this movie is for me, Carl, is this seems plausible. 
Yeah. That all of a sudden, like, the government... Okay, uh, 2020 rolls around. We get a new president. Fucking fingers crossed. And they're looking at the books, and they're like, what's this? What's this right here? $300 million for Project Underground Red Jumpsuit people? Yeah, let's yank funding on that. They pull the plug. All the workers leave. Uh, I... Um, God, we have we have think about that what that means. They have three hundred million people living underground, sequestered away from society that they have to feed and educate and use and blah blah blah. And now they're like, we don't have the resources to deal with and in, to double the population of the country. You would double the population of America by pulling the plug on this. So what do you do? You seal the tunnels up and you're like, okay, they'll run out of rabbits eventually. Yeah, and then you close it up and you walk away. Like that seems like a way that this might be handled. Where they're like, yeah. hey man, it's this is actually fucking, oh my god, this is this is exactly what the Reagan administration did in the eighties with all of the fucking um, mental health care facilities across America. Oh shit, yeah, just cut the funding, fuck it, they can figure oh my, it out. Carl, that's exact. That might actually be part of this metaphor. Patients just dumped out into the streets. Like, yeah, they good they luck now. They cut funding, opened the doors, and said, "You guys are on your own." And that's exactly what happens to the tethered. They're like. Hmm, funding ran out and we abandoned the project and we abandoned you. So that's I, that might legitimately be part of this part of this metaphor is talking about fucking Reagan's war on drugs at the cost of creating cost homelessness of, essentially. Oh God. Um that was an oversimplification, but he really yeah, drastically made it a lot worse. of Reagan problems. Big time, big time. I'm not a big Reagan fan. How shocking. <laughs> um, I don't even like his westerns. Yeah, he's not that good. Fuck that guy. <laughs> we should do a month of Reagan and just shit on every single one. Not even talk. Watch me find out that his movies are actually quite charming and he's really good in them. Like that I know. Would that's be... why we can't ever do it. It's because I'd have yep. to be like, look, he destroyed the country, but man, in, in the man from <laughs> Windy, Windy Towers, he was fucking amazing. <laughs> um, no, but so ta- going back to this Jungian idea of the shadows, um, the parts of ourselves and the wor- the darker parts of our nature – are being ignored, forgotten, and cast aside. So rather than have a dialogue with, address, or incorporate our shadow selves, they boil up out of the subterranean underground where we've buried, abandoned, and forgotten them, and they ultimately destroy us. And I wrote down that we, I think it's in the movie, I think it's supported by the text, part of what is making us more oblivious to this part of ourself is screens. Because the little girl, because the daughter is constantly on her phone. The dad is constantly being distracted by getting a new boat, a new hot tub, a new pool. Let me check the scores on the games. His wife is telling him that shit is going wrong. There's a fucking moment in there where she's like, I, she's looking out the window and she says, I just feel like there's a, like a dark cloud crawling into my soul. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And there have been clues all the way through. But he's, yeah, it's 30 minutes. We probably got to wrap this up. Um, But there's clues all the way through the beginning where that this is going on, but no one notices because everyone's on their phone, staring at the screen, even at the carnival, like at the boardwalk. The boardwalk is pretty sparse when they go back, and it's because who goes to the boardwalk anymore? People were watching HBO. So um, that is, (laughs) that's pretty much all that I think we have time for. I do have a couple more notes, but you know what, man? Like, we hit we hit a lot of the broad stroke stuff. I'm I'm happy. You got a couple more. She's gonna go to her appointment then and come back in a little bit. So we got we have about ten minutes. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, 
the propeller, the fucking propeller death, where dad dad Polganger gets sucked into the motor of the shitty boat. That for being because the the dying boat thing is funny. The fact the choice to use it to grind that dude up and like spurt chunks of meat all over Gabe that was a pretty awesome kill. That the was beard, the beard to the left coming back for for a kill. I mean, I just love it. Yeah, I I thought that that was great. That uh that boat kill was amazing. Um, Elizabeth Moss putting on lip gloss while like Hollywood glamour music plays with that weird like um powder filter going on, and she. I love the smile that we get from her, where it's like she looks like she's gonna cry. Because this is the first time that she gets to put on lip gloss. Actual, yeah. She's been under the ground scarring her face because above ground, the her normal hollow, unhappy self is getting plastic surgery. So the, the, they're almost they are truly reflections of ourselves in the truest sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, like when, I sure do. When you go and you like convince yourself that you just want a little work done so you can feel more beautiful, there's. There's some part of yourself. That's that's a raw depiction of what you're doing. Down there, like, I don't look good the way I am, so I'm going to cut, cut my face. face. That's what's going on under in the undermind. In the in the rawest form and sense of what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, I think not addressing that or thinking about that or acknowledging that part of ourselves is insanely damaging and can ultimately destroy us if we if we ignore what we're doing to ourselves that much. And I think that's part of what this metaphor is. Adding just a little bit of separation between what you're doing and what it actually means. Right. right? Like- which, which is necessary for society. But if you go too far and you lose touch with the ugliest parts of yourself, then you are not equipped to handle those ugly parts when they boil up. Right. out. You know, like, dude, that's what we're dealing with in 2020. We have ignored for so long the worst parts of our human nature, which we've always known about. Yep. You know, we we know that humanity can be ugly and that we have ugly aspects, but we are so we've been so like neutered by our screens and so not that's the wrong word anesthetized by our screens that we've we just don't acknowledge these things in ourselves anymore. We acknowledge. I mean, there's that great line. It's us. You know, like, who who are you? And the little boy says it's us. Those are the monsters. Like every horrible thing that's ever done to been done to humans by other humans, still done by humans. Like right. our worst atrocities, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Those were people that pulled that lever. Those were humans that built that bomb. The Holocaust. Those were humans that went home and kissed their kids. And yeah. we're forgetting that we do this thing now where we're like, no, no, we're all good. We're Those fighting monsters against monsters from the deep or aliens from planet Z or whatever. It's us. Right. We spend a lot of time raging and fighting against I- ideas and big faceless entities like who- everybody's mad at the government. Right. I'm mad at the government. But what is the government but a collection of other humans, people, people? Yeah. The mm-hmm. root of all this bad shit is the darker parts of human nature. And right now, in 2020, it's boiling out into the streets. It's coming up out of the fucking drains. And all we can do is tweet about it because those are the only tools we have left to us because we've ignored this part of ourselves for so long. Sorry, I didn't. I don't know how I got that deep into that. I was just talking no, about man, lip I was into it, dude. Um, there was other movies in here that I couldn't find like references to, like in the. I, I didn't. 
no one but me, I think, thinks that these are being referenced, but I think it's pretty obvious that the 1970s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is all mm-hmm. over this movie. Yep. Um, another well, the screaming inaudibly yeah. kind of thing ah, is very much. A... Yeah, the moments of people being like, ah, like when the dad, the the dad's out on the boat and there's someone on shore basically yep. doing like the, ah, you know, like it's that invasion of the yeah absolutely so i think the 70s invasion of the body snatchers is here i for sure thought that i I got some carnival of souls vibes definitely especially when they're down by the boardwalk and later on like just the vibe and i meant big man you you the zoltar machine swapped that out for the house of mirrors i mean it's the very same it's something that's outside the boardwalk but belongs to it that as soon as you interact with it your entire reality changes like right yeah yeah uh, i and i thought just kind of like the surreal elements the way that's uh, especially with elizabeth moss screaming but occasionally where the sound drops out yeah that's yeah. not a carnival of souls very that, carnival of souls yeah and that like kind of surrealist like the like the weird oh my god we didn't even Witchy. talk trumpy nature of how these yes. things move yeah yeah and the the like lapita nyongo's physical performance where when she gets up and goes anywhere like that ramrod straight back and she just has this like very mechanical gait terrifying and she's swift you don't usually see people she's not walking fast she's walking swiftly you don't see people do that very often so it's unsettling to see someone just like and then they're gone Another moment where Danielle's like, hard no, stop, no, can't do. <laughs> it's, yeah, this is a movie that, are you, do you see it? With all the goddamn stink bugs fucking hate Oh, those you guys. got them too, huh? Yeah, we've, with the, war- I think the little bit of warm I weather. I think they're a new invasive species in Michigan. They're getting worse. Do anyway. They, are, do they look like the, uh, like the Japanese, like, shield beetle type yep, thing? Yeah. Sure do. Yep, we had yep. a, we actually got our first big influx of them last year, but yeah. They fucking suck. There's nothing you can do about them either. I looked it up. You, nope, can, you, suck, just here. you suck them up with a vacuum and throw them outside. That's it. Yep. I don't I do not do that. I dump them in the fire pit and I burn them by the hundreds. But um, I love, let's see. Oh, God, the death of the, the running girl where she's fucking busted in half. Oh, and mom just stares at her. And it's like, shh, shh, quiet now. Yeah, and then the daughter just like. So that's that's another um, I didn't I didn't pick up on this, but this is another thing I read on IMDb is that's a uh, a hint because she doesn't kill any of the uh, the tethered even when she has opportunities to do so. And even if taking that opportunity would save members of her family, doesn't doesn't she she finishes off the twin in the house. She oh yeah the the only reason she does that is that twin was posing a direct threat to her like she actually. Oh. She actually stops the like that twin was attacking her and would have killed her, so she had to kill gotcha. the twin. And when her son comes in after that murder, she's doing the like, <laughs> like the the tethered breathing. And when she sees her son, she stops and breathes like a person again. Um, she does the same thing when she kills her own like uh, twin. <laughs> yeah, and she's God, what a good performance though, where she's like, <laughs> as she's like breaking her twin's neck. Um, but that's why she doesn't kill her daughter's twin. She just let she comforts her in her final moments because she too is one of the tethered. And when her son's twin walks backward into the fire, Lapita Nyongo tries to stop him. She's troubled. She's like, yeah, no, she's like no, 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 don't no, do no, it. No, don't. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, even uh, though that will save her family. So like that, I thought that was a really interesting uh, little fang. Um, I wanted to. 
pick apart one scene with you. I like this. Now I'm just going to burn notes until Danielle walks back in. So the scene, speaking of, the scene where the kids, where the, the little boy walks backward into the flames, they've already mentioned that they know how we think, remember? And who is it that mm-hmm. puts this idea forward? It's Adelaide. Because, of course they do. Because they are us. They're psychically linked to us as part of a weird government MK Ultra esque project or the shop or whatever you want to call it. So sh- when that kid walks backwards into the flames, I had a question. Do you think that because when that boy, when the actual son walks backwards, where he comes to which one? Who is controlling who? Well, what I'm, yeah, that's a good question. Because if the little boy knows mom is next to the truck and that's where he needs to be. Yeah. Little boy's already been burned. He, maybe he doesn't care, and he knows that if he backs up, mom will get the clone. That's, or, not, mom will get the real one. That's what I th- what I think is that the the real son is controlling the twin son, but they set that flaming car up in the middle of the road. So here's what happens: there's a burning car and a car that could be burning. Get it? Like get the duality, mm-hmm. the flip sides of the coin. Here's and the car that's burning is the family's car. So the family's car is burning, and they're standing by their other car that's not burning but has fuel and could be on fire. But we don't unite the two halves. We keep them separate. We walk the sun backwards. Now, here's what I'm thinking. And this is fucked up, but do you think that the family, the the, the twin family, the bad family? The, the Reds. The Reds. The Red family? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe the, does this have anything to do with Red Dawn? Like a bunch of splinter cell Reds no! flooding them? <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Um, do you think that... The, the Reds, the, the tethered family, set that car up equidistant from the where that other car would stop to where mom, the tethered mom, is hiding by the other car, knowing that the son, to save Lapita Nyong'o, will walk the twin, because they think like we do, will yeah, walk... I think- yeah, he'll walk his twin backwards exactly the right amount of distance to burn him alive, but will which will put him within five feet of tethered mom, who's going to kidnap the son. I think, I, and I also, think, I think the kid was right when he pulls the mask down and says it's a trap. I think he's right, but I think the trap was for him. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> that bugged me when I thought about that. I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, he won, and then mom is like, mom is exactly where she needs to be to kidnap him. And I'm like, oh wait, no. He did what they want. They she sacrificed a pawn. Yeah, she sacrificed her unpleasant son to kidnap this other kid. That's man. It's I don't know. I like thinking about it. <laughs> um, let's see what else do I fucking have. Um, I as as Adelaide goes down the escalator, she starts to do the tethered breathing. As she gets further and further down the escalator, she starts to breathe more and more like they do. And my my uh, opinion is that that is meant to be intentionally meant to be sense memory. Yep. Um, she does this like primal breathing. Um, there. Once we get into the, that was a scary scene for me. She goes in through the like in through the hall of mirrors and then down the door down into the electrical tunnel. And then she goes through a door and then she goes down another flight of stairs. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. She just she went down 40 stairs and then she went down 40 more stairs. She's way underground right now. I mean, you're we're deep now. Yeah, she's very deep underground. And then she's like walking through this tunnel and this tunnel's really she takes a right and she takes a left and she's going down and there's piping. And then she goes and there's an escalator that's like 100 fucking yards long underground. 
And she's already hundreds of feet underground, and you're like, I'm becoming very uncomfortable with how far under the earth she's going. I hate that. I hate, I love hate it, obviously, because I'm a huge horror fan, but dude, I hate that. When we go down a flight of stairs, and then we go down a flight of stairs, and you're like, Dude, she's we're too far down. We're too far down. This we're is like far down mine now. shaft deep. Yeah, she's like way the fuck underground, and then it's like, and now go down this escalator, and like she's like a half mile underground. That's scary yeah, that's as shit, dude. I really, I know it bugs. It made my skin go all like, don't, don't do it, don't do it, Lupita Nyong'o. Just and then it's just a system of hospital hallways. I mean, it's so Gross. like institute, and it's just yeah, I can't. Yep. Benches every hundred yards or whatever and doors equidistant from each other. And it's all it's Dharma initiative brand. Fucking. Oh, yeah. Ugh. I love when I love that the rabbits are running around because it's first of all, that's weird and unsettling yeah. to see yes, it is. to see like just a bunch of weird rabbits just rolling around in a very clinical, otherwise clinical place. Very clinical. Yes. So I'm like, this is. This is weird. What the fuck? And then you realize that they let the ra- they set the rabbits free when they left. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets free. Everyone gets let go. That is that is disturbing to me. That's one of the more disturbing parts because it shows that even in like the extremity of madness, this weird oppressed underclass recognizes that it's best not to be cruel to these rabbits that they've been eating raw for decades as their only method of survival. Raw rabbit meat. Like, no wonder you're all insane. Yeah, you're no all fucking shit. loaded up with illnesses and weird psychological diseases. And well, yeah, there's a, if you eat only rabbit, it, you get you poison yourself because it's all protein and no fat and your body can't absorb it. Like, yeah, this is not a survival thing. Like, you can't survive on just rabbit. There, you will get incredibly sick. There's not enough fat on them. You can because you can. I mean, there's the carnivore diet. You can live on nothing but meat, but you need a ton of fat because if you just eat protein and you're not getting fats, you're dead. You're totally yeah. dead. You can't. Um, you have no way to absorb the, absorb it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway. What, what are you doing? <laughs> I was. This is me doing a tummy. Like. Oh. This oh. Is, this is the uh, <laughs> international sign language for digestion. Um. That no one can see, but you. Well, I appreciated it. it yeah, really, funny. I was more confused by it, but I appreciate yeah. it in retrospect. <laughs> um. The final thing that I thought was really my final note, which I'm amazed that I burned them so quickly. Um, the final thing that I thought was really very unsettling, which I thought was kind of an echo in a way to, um, to get out was when red is standing at the chalkboard and she's like been drawing, she draws the like hands across America and she's cutting out the like hands across America thing and she rips it and then she turns back around because she has her back to Adelaide. When she comes at Adelaide, it's backwards. That's it's a lot of backward stuff happening. What I what I love about that is it's it's thematically fitting, you know. It's part of the motif of like the mirror image girl, and this is how they first met. Like she turned around and saw the back of this girl's head. But what I think is interesting is when you know the ending, 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 where we find out that Adelaide is red and red is Adelaide. You realize that the last time they met, their positions were reversed. So this is the back of one in the front of the other. Yeah, yeah, they've switched yeah. places here. But even more so than that, there's there's something that your brain, my brain, I'm going to say your I'm going to say human brain. There's something the brain does not like about 
seeing people move in ways they shouldn't. No. My sister and I have a word for it. I think we've discussed it here before. It's trompy. Trompy. Yeah, you used it if earlier. If something is just a little bit like that's not how a thing is supposed to move. Right. And I'm uncomfortable because my brain is not – that is not a thing I'm supposed to be seeing right. from a human. Yeah. Trompy. When grandpa is sprinting straight at us out of the darkness and get out, you don't often see humans run straight at you. So that is very upsetting, and your yes. brain is like, I do not like this. When nope. when Red, you, you're you watching the scene, and you're like, now Red is going to turn around and come after her. When Red just did it, did it, did it backwards, you're like, well, that is not what was supposed to just happen. I didn't even like when Mom was having most of her conversation with Jason, with uh, Gabe, yeah. when he was in bed, and she's telling her story. Yeah. But he she never turns around. There's something about someone engaging with you in a conversation and you're only getting the back of them. Yeah. That yes. is very unsettling. Very fucking creepy, man. I don't dig it. One of my favorite things about that little monologue she gives is that she gives it to her own reflection. Yeah. In the exactly. night window, she's saying it to some of the reflected image of herself. It's just, this is really like, okay, this movie is gory and funny and it's trippy and cerebral in my favorite kind of way. It's it's got that like twist your brain around like a turntable. I fucking love all of that stuff. Dude, this movie tickles me in all my favorite places. 100%. 100%. But what I was going to say is at the same time, this is also like Rosemary's Baby level yeah. art. You know what I mean? Yep. Like damn, Jordan Peele is just clubbing it out of the fucking stadium. He's made two of my favorite movies that I've watched in 2020. Yeah, two two and of my And I've watched I've watched a lot of fucking movies this year. I mean, there's been a lot of quarantine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot of fucking weird and great shit. But, yeah, he's two. Him and Ari Aster, two yep. of my four four of my favorite things that I've seen in the last year. year I now. don't I don't think he would be offended by to hear because I this number is going to sound big to other people. But I, he's these are two of my top 40 horror films. Now, look, I've watched a thousand horror movies. So don't oh, yeah, it's like a big t- top 40. That is for me. That's insane. That's really to have two movies by the same director in my top forty is nuts. And one of these, I think, probably Get Out is in my top twenty. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, dude, he he makes some pretty fucking baller movies. We are a listener supported podcast. Um, we've definitely been exceptionally supported through all of this uh, craziness. Um, if you want to learn more about that, head on over to patreon.com slash quill and film Q U I L L A N D F I L M. You can get, uh, you can go and find full length bonus episodes. We're doing a series called when Harry met Michael, which will be wrapping up hopefully shortly. Um, it's, we're watching all the Harry Potter movies, all the Halloween movies. These are full length episodes. You can get, uh, right now we're, Carl and I have started working on the first Suede Rainbow album. I've started posting a couple of demos there. We might do more behind the scenes stuff. Um, we post other shit we've been doing, watching and listening to. <laughs> and you can get shout outs on the show, which sound a little something like this. We would love to thank Brian Jackson, Connor Sweeney, Daniele Hartelli, David Rowney, Jeffrey Morgan, Casey Scheibe, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Kevin Ramirez, Sister Sarah Hartley, the enigmatic William Rockwood, uh, Cynthia Van Manen, and all the way down in the flow ride, we would like to thank Cassandra, uh, oh. resident patron witch, too. Um, 
And then uh, drop us a line if you have any opinions about Jordan Peele, about us, about the U.S., about any of that shit. Drop us a line at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Carl and and his lovely wife, Danielle, are going to go and belatedly celebrate your... Belatedly celebrate our first anniversary. Your first anniversary. So from all of us, all the rest of us at the FZK, Carl, happy anniversary, brother. Thank you very much. Um, God, it's it's good to be talking movies with you again. We've got a plan oh, yeah, going dude. forward. Stay tuned next week. Next week we're talking about a weird one. Next week we are talking about the bizarrely aspect ratioed apparent masterpiece. I have not yet seen it. It's another Connor Sweeney recommendation, so I can't imagine it's going to be anything but a but a goddamn wall to wall blowout. Uh, we're going to be watching The Lighthouse. Um, thank you all so much for listening. We will talk to yeah. you next time. Later, Gators.